0: Lord, we want to enjoy your presence this morning, no matter the circumstances of our lives. We want to enjoy your presence. Have your way. Have your way with us. Give us the courage to allow that to happen, your movement in our lives to happen this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to continue this morning in our series of Living in the Tension and using the letter of Romans to help us with that, and that journey. And, and um, it's been a while since we've revisited why we're doing this, so I just, for those that are, are newer, I, w- I want to reiterate that we're, we've been in Romans for over a year now. Um, and we're in chapter 6, and we haven't been going through it just one verse at a time. There's a reason why we're going through Romans. When you look at the world around us as Christians, as those that strive to walk with Jesus. Not solely believe the information of Jesus, but walk with Jesus. When you look at that life that we have chosen and you look at the circumstances and the culture around us, correct me if I'm wrong, but that can be quite a challenge to walk in this world. To know how do we live out this relationship with Jesus. There's a tension that happens. And there's something, there's a responsibility as the church to let Jesus be the head of us, to be the leader, to be the one that speaks in us and through us. And oftentimes, we can take that responsibility away from him and do it for him. And when we do that, we usually go one side of issues or another. When you look at the the stuff in our country that is the issues and the things are just so tumultuous and so hard to know what to do as a Christian. And so we either condone certain things because it becomes easier to not have to deal with it. Or we condemn it because we think we're judge and jury. And yet there's a middle ground. And it's not, I'm not talking about the balance of the two. I'm talking about what Jesus wants to do. And we want to seek and know him in a way that we allow him We allow him to move through us in such a way that we can sit in the tension that these extremes in our culture bring and respond in a way that speaks of his heart and who he is. And the letter of Romans, the book of Romans, uh, the time and the culture then was not too different from now as far as the things that they're dealing with. And so we see Paul live with Jesus in such a way that shows us how to sit in some of that tension. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. Because we want Jesus to be the head, and we want him to lead our hearts, and we want him to be what people see, not just our opinions, but who he is. How many want people to see Jesus in you? (laughs) I can tell you my life has not always been the example of that. I want it to be. But we have to keep engaging this because it's not something we just move on from. You are always going to have tensions and struggles in your life. And always be asking the question, Lord, how do I sit in this? What do you want to say in this? This doesn't go away because we get done with Romans someday. (laughs) It will always, always be there. Because the world acts and responds against what Jesus represents and who he is. So it's always a challenge. It will always bring tension. Is that clear? And we cannot run from it. We can't dismiss it but we must engage Jesus in it. And that's what we're doing. And we are in a challenging chapter. Chapter 6 is a challenging chapter. Paul addresses that we are dead to sin, alive in Christ. That we are to be slaves to his righteousness. We see that throughout this chapter. Now, why is this a challenging chapter? Well, it deals with the reality of sin and that Jesus on the cross and through the empty grave, him raising from the dead has squashed sin. But we still feel the influence of sin and sinful desires in, my, in our lives, do we not? And it is very challenging. How many of you beat yourself up when you sin? Oh, I'm really good at it. I'm really good at beating myself up over my sin. I'm really good at, in my mind, I try not to let it go outwardly, but be very judgmental and beat up others for their sin. (laughs) Because even though we know theologically that the, the love of God and He Himself defines us, we act opposite to that. As much as we don't want to admit it, we really do allow sin to creep in our lives in a way to define us. I'm sinning too much, and we're so aware of it. We try not to sin. We try not to do these things. How many try not to sin? Okay, how's that going for you? There's some good days and there's bad days, but guess what? Paul is saying, take your eyes off the sin stuff and put your eyes on Jesus, because doing that will get you away from that anyway. But if we are always trying to avoid sin, we're giving ourselves still as a slave to sin but in a different way. It's on our minds. I've missed the mark. I've not done this right. I haven't done that right. And now we're living in a earn it culture yet again in our own minds. I need to earn it because even though it's grace, that's a nice idea, but I don't understand it. So let's just go back to the merit part. Because at least I know where I stand. If I sin, at least I know I'm not really walking with him. Or if I don't sin wait a minute, still doesn't guarantee I'm walking with him, does it? Doing the right things does not guarantee you a great relationship with Jesus. Engaging Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus usually will guarantee you a good relationship with Jesus. And you know what else it'll do? You won't be walking in the sin. You'll be walking in him. Now, that's great. I believe that. I think it's right. Really hard. Is it not? That's really hard. Today we're going to look at uh, verses 11 through 14 of chapter 6. And to the naked eye, the verse would communicate something very uh, obvious. But what we want to talk about what's underneath that fuels this, because it's the underneath of the things that we read that we're challenged with, isn't it? It's those things that we don't talk about, that we struggle with. I believe, I believe with all my heart that if I walk in Jesus, that sin won't, I won't be a slave to sin, I'll be a slave to him. But I know my thoughts, and I know my struggles, and it doesn't always convey what I hope for in my relationship with Jesus. In the most private spaces of our minds and our hearts, there can be struggle. Deep struggle, even with knowing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that, and that having relationship with him is the most important thing. But we still struggle with giving our way, ourselves away to other things that are not him. Who's with me in that? Am I the only one? If we're really honest, even through our great intentions and wants and desires of him, it becomes challenging. And so we, we read this. Do not, uh, excuse me, verse 11. So you should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Yes? Amen. We should. Paul says this, do not let sin control the way you live. Don't let it control you. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin no longer, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law, instead you live under the freedom of God's grace. Amen. Yes. We live under the freedom of God's grace. That's a great statement. That feels good to say. That feels good to know and it hurts that I don't live in it more often. Being honest. The grace of God that brings freedom. The space to receive and exercise His faithfulness. I want to do that more. I don't want my body to be an instrument for sin. I don't want to give away these things. But I know that circumstances, even to the best of us, even to the holiest of us, the holiest of us, the most mature of us, in the back, in the corners of our mind, we get messed with with the things that we want and the things that we think we need, even when we're striving for the goodness of God in our lives and others. The enemy still messes with us. What we want, and contrary to the spirit, still messes with us. And circumstances will tell us we are entitled to what we think we want. I believe, I believe that we're free from being slaves to sin. I believe that. But that does not mean it doesn't creep its way back in and try to get your thoughts off of him. I've been going through a very challenging time interpersonally. Um, it's been very hard for me. And navigating certain things in my life and navigating ministry, what does that look like? Is ministry over here and personal life over here? No, they all bleed into each other. Let's be honest, they bleed into each other. I don't know how to compartmentalize things. Everything affects me. It's about how do I walk with Jesus so that I process in a healthy way and not just dismiss it. So I go through this back and forth. How do I be faithful to what God has called me to do? Faithful to my family. Faithful to my congregation. Faithful, faithful. Doing a good job. Doing this, doing that. And I feel at times I do, and I feel at times I don't. And I go through this thing, and then those little things, when I get overwhelmed, creep in, going, well, what if life could be this way if I chose something different? What if... I just stopped and I could be free of this and step into this. And then you get, and that's a nice way to put it. You know where your mind goes. Let's be honest. When I think about what I think about, I don't feel like a good man. I feel as if sin tries to tell me something different. And I'm going to tell you, punchline here, God said something to me. And it wiped me out. I didn't call you to be a good man. I called you to be a faithful man. He's good. I said, okay, Lord, that was really, that was great. Let's put that on a bumper sticker. What do I do with that? What do I do with that? Because I feel the struggle. I know I don't want to give my, my body away the sinful things. I know that I am dead to sin, but it's, it's still present. It's still there. I don't know. And so I, I, I'm asking the Lord, I need your help. How many have cried out for help? How many have heard silence? I heard silence. So, I've been through seminary. I know the stuff. I know. But it's amazing how much we think we know And the thing that wrecks us the most is the most elementary of things. Is it not? We still struggle with the basic questions. God, where are you in this? I know you're here. I get it. You're here. You're probably right next to me. But I asked you for help. Now, I'm not asking you to necessarily do this and do that. I'm just asking for help. And I know there's probably something on my part I need to do. So here it is, Lord. I will give all of it to you. You can have it. I need your help. You have full reign in my heart. You can have me. I need the help. Where's the help? Nothing. What do you do with that? Now, the ways of God are very mysterious, are they not? I have no idea why he does or how he does the things he does. He can just do them and he does them. And we're on we are along for the ride, and is it not frustrating at times? I believe in the promises of God, but I do have a very specific interpretation of what those promises are. And when those interpretations aren't met exactly, when I ask the Lord to, to show me how those, those promises affect me now and help me now, I expect them to help me a certain way, and they're not helping me that way. What do I do with that? Who's experienced this? Is it not a question we all have? Even the most mature of us in Christ. We do. We struggle with this. And I believe, let me say this with clarity, that God allows us to, for a very specific purpose, which I'll save to the end. So I'm going through this process. And then this weekend was a horrible weekend as far as emotional energy dispersed. Family dynamics, all this kind of stuff. And then you come into a Sunday morning and you want to, I don't know what it is that we have to think we have to show up all good and ready to go. I did not. I think I scared Mark. He comes in and I'm just, I'm just I look like a zombie. I'm done. I'm tapped out. I know that God is my source of strength. I know these things, I'm ready for it to happen. But I'm getting a little fatigued and impatient. When's it going to happen? How's it going to happen? Not even thinking for a second, I'm thinking and asking all the wrong things. All of them. How do we get away from this, the temptation of sin causing us to bring us back into the sense of slavery? Paul says it very clear. He says, I, Paul, a slave to Christ. That's the goal. Well, what does it mean to choose to have no choice? Well, even my expectations of help have to be surrendered. Even my desires for help have to be surrendered. Ouch. Whoa, what? Wait. Wait a minute. We have prayer meetings all over the world to pray for healing, to pray for people to be saved, to pray for all these things. You mean, God, you want me to lay down those things? Yes. Whoa, that doesn't make sense. Now, because I'm a judgmental person and cynical, in my heart, I really am. In my mind, I'm very judgmental and cynical. I will be straightforward with you. That I try not to land there in my actions. But I can be. And the Lord talks me out of it. And you want to do that? Okay? When I listen to mainstream Christian music, in my mind, I go, bleh. That's not dismissing its power for people. That's not... I'm saying for me. And And Christian radio is usually the last thing that I will try when everyone's on commercial break. I will even try the country station before I will try <laughs> the Christian station. And it's not because I don't like Christian music. It's just something about it, It's just not, ah. So God being God always gives us an opportunity to humble ourselves. So this morning, I feel at Peace. This is weird. It's a paradox to me. I feel at peace, but extremely scattered. I know that God's going to do something, and I'm at peace at that. I have no idea what he's going to do. Completely scattered. And I turn on the radio, and somehow I left it on Christian radio. And this song comes on, and I heard it one time, and, and I couldn't hear the words. I was driving through traffic, and I couldn't hear the words when I first heard it. But I thought, if that person is saying what I think they're saying, that's really good. They're probably not. And I turned it. (laughs) Cynical, judgmental. Heard it this morning. And I wept. I want to walk, and we want to walk. And the freedom that grace affords us. But what is that freedom? Is it freedom from sin and death? Yes. Sharon preached a great message that death is not the end, it doesn't happen for us eternally, those of us in Christ Jesus. But to me, the freedom is to choose someone. That we cannot fathom. That we don't have answers for about how they are the way they are. Or why they do what they do. But we have a freedom that grace affords us to be with Jesus. For eternity. Now, we've heard that. But, yay. Eternity is an easy word to say because we can't fathom it. Even in my mind, eternity still is an end date. But it goes, and it goes, and it goes. And every day we will be in heaven saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Every single moment, worshiping Jesus, being with Jesus. Well, that sounds like it would be boring. No, because he's so infinite and so great. And there's so much to who he is. When you look outside, I, I love, the very few times I'm on Facebook, I love the pictures that people take of just the scenery, because it says to me they're noticing the creativity of God and how vast he is, and it's a microcosm of who he is. As big of an expression of who he is, it is to us, it's minuscule as far as eternity. So why do we get lost on all these things that are human desires, the things that we think we need and we think we want, because they are vapors, and they don't breathe life. And even when we approach God, guess what? God, I want your healing. I want your salvation. I want your peace. Are those good things to want? Yes. Would you want Jesus if you got none of it? Be honest with yourself. Don't answer me. Would you want him if you got no relief? If you got no healing? if you got no sense of that peace, that everything's going to be okay, would you still want him? So I'm going to read you these lyrics that I heard this morning. And I had to fight my cynicism going, this is corny, to read song lyrics. And the Lord said to me, who told you that? Me. Me. I know if you wanted to, you could wave your hand, spare me the heartache, change your plan. And I know in a second you could take my pain away. But even if you don't, here's my prayer. Help me want the healer more than the healing. Help me want the Savior more than the saving. Help me want the giver more than the giving. Help me to want you, Jesus, more than anything. It doesn't matter about my healing. Is it good? Yes, we want to walk in wholeness. But it's about Jesus. It's about the simple love of God that you are chosen by him because you're his. And if I don't get the healing, if I don't get the the scenario that I want, who cares? I'm not a slave to what I want. I'm a slave to him. He's who I want. He's who I'm designed to crave. And the world will tell you he's not enough. He's enough. He's more than enough, which is why you get him when we leave this place. You get him. Why? Because he's enough. And I would complain. I'm a good complainer. Those that have been around me, I'm great at it. I say, and I said it to Mark this week, I'm tired. Why are you tired, Brendan? It's a short version of a short synopsis. Everybody wants something from me. Everybody. Church, home, family. Everybody wants something from me. When will it be just me? Not what I can do for someone, but just me. And I can put on a really good pity party that sounds really convincing. And I heard the Lord say to me, when are you going to want just me? And not just what I can do for you. And not just what you can take from me. I give and I give and I give. But guess what? I continue to do so. But do you want just me? Well, don't throw my junk in my face. Just agree with me. But he's right. I ask him and I take from him all the time. And he does so graciously, willingly, lovingly. But what is there to learn from this? Do I want him more than what he can give me? More than just these things. Are they good things? Yes. Are they things about his promises? Yes. Not disputing that. But the person of Jesus, God the Father, do I want to go in that field and walk with him and let the world just fade away knowing he's enough? More than anything. More than anything. Because my thoughts have taken me down that dark road in a place of where, what if I get what I want? Oh, it'll rob me. It'll rob me. Because nothing can fulfill like the love of God. Nothing, folks. So when we read chapter 6 in Romans, and we look at no longer being a slave to sin... It's not slave to righteousness as this to-do list. It's the righteousness and the holiness of the living God that only comes from proximity to him, being with him, being where he is. So Paul is saying... Being a slave to wanting and being with and engaging Jesus will prevent you from ever being a slave to sin and it mastering you. So we always have to ask when our thoughts try to captivate us away from Jesus, take us away, do I want Jesus more than I want this? Yes, I do. The world needs to hear that from the church. Do you want him, church, more than you want the right answers to the, to the political questions. More than you want the right answers and the right this and the, your own desires of this. Do you want him more than that? Because if that is not our desire, we are not the church. I'm sorry, that's a flat statement. But if we are not lovers of Jesus, who are we? We're a really cool social club. Remember, discipleship is all about teaching people to love whom you love, which is Jesus. Because of him, I don't have to be a slave to my own thoughts and my own feelings and my own desires. I give him, and he's going to work it out. I don't know how he does it. I don't care how he does it. I just want to be with him. And I thank God for terrible times that graciously lead me and lead us into what we may have heard he wouldn't know, but what we really need to live. So I ask you do you want him more than anything? And if you don't right now, that's where we invite the Lord in to mess with us. Is it fun? No, I guarantee it'll be miserable. Real talk. It's hard. Is it worth it? Yes, it is. You know what breaks my heart? Watching people walk away from it. Because the work seems too hard. Or it seems too simple that it can't be true. There's got to be more than just being with Jesus. Really? Tell me what it is. Tell me what it is. If there's something more than Jesus, I'd love to hear... Someone's opinion on that. Because there isn't. You can read Scripture a million times and it'll come to the same conclusion. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And in John 17, he says, I want my people to be with me. Done deal, folks. Let's pray. God, whoa. I will admit... Your ways frustrate me at times because they're unknown to me. But I thank you that you don't leave yourself unknown to me. You've made yourself known. And I pray in Jesus' name that we as a body would continue, continue to lay down, lay down the things that we think we want and engage you. Engage you and want you first. I want you always. Lord, I thank you for this place that um, here at Bridgewood that you have given us, I believe, for the majority of the time, is, is a safe place. And I, I thank you. Um, selfishly, I thank you that uh, I'm in a safe place to share what you're doing in my life that doesn't go unseen to me. And I pray that this would continue to be a safe place, that we can share our lives with one another without judgment or fear of ridicule, but knowing that you are the one that changes hearts and you will do that. In your timing, your good pleasure, we are to love one another, we are to encourage one another, we are to walk with one another. And I pray that we would continue to do that no matter what we think it may cost because you are enough. I pray if I've said anything that is not of you, that you would remove it from our hearts and our ears in Jesus' name, and the things that we need to hear that are truth, that are of you, would be um, infused on our spirits. We pray that your Holy Spirit would breathe in a fresh wind right now in Jesus' name. We ask, God, that you would continue to have your way. We may not know what you're going to do or how you're going to do it, but that's okay. We want you to have your way. It puts us in a position to make sure we stay with you. So we give you that control. We ask that you would continue um, to give us the courage to say yes to you. We pray your blessing over our tithes and our offerings this morning. This is not just a thing we do at church. It is something that our lives must always reflect as a response to you. So we respond to you now with faithfulness. It's all you ask of us. It's just to be faithful, to desire and be with you. I pray that these tithes and offerings would reflect that, and I pray that they would be used for your kingdom and for your glory to teach people why we love you and to how to love you in return. So we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Jesus is calling Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy From the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling
2: thing you'll always get with Pastor Brendan Fairley's honesty. I think when you, you consider the honest struggles of the Christian life, it's important not to glorify our struggles, but to talk about the fight of faith. And it was good to sit through two sermons this morning, because I, I was listening to Brendan, and I was thinking, how is it that Paul said this in all of his letters? Because Paul is a very precise theologian. He's a very honest theologian, too. He tells you in Romans 7 some honest things. We'll get to that. But I was thinking about Paul's summation in Philippians, the letter of joy. It really what it comes down to is when you're in a moment, when you're in a test or a trial, when you're in the midst of temptation, where do you place your confidence? And Paul says in Philippians 3, he says, If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And he reads his Hebrew resume. All the things that he could put confidence in. He was in the front chair of Sunday school. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He could argue that daylight's out to anyone. But he said, all of that got me nowhere. Actually, it got him somewhere he didn't want to be. And he says, no, I'm not going to put confidence in that. Verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The surpassing worth. If you're in a moment, you may not be in one now, but the thing about life is give it an hour. It's kind of like Minnesota weather. The question is, where will you place your confidence? Will it be in what you can do? Or will it be in who Jesus is? Let's pray. Lord, as we go from this place, we have a fresh reminder through your word. We know you're with us. Help us, God, to place our confidence fully in you. Not in what we can do, not in what we've done, not in anything else, but fully resting. On the one who's raised me, the one who saved me, and the one who will yet save me. In your name and honor, we pray.